Hello everyone and welcome to the No Holes Barred Witchcraft Podcast. I'm trying to make these intros a little less creepy, but I don't know how I'm doing until I listen back to this. So hello everyone, uh, it's now October, the year 2020, and we are getting ready for a relatively quiet October compared to what we're used to. Is that right? Would you agree, Chris? Yeah, definitely. Probably the quietest October. Yeah, so uh, most of the events ever. Most of the events that we would normally do around this sort of time we've cancelled because of COVID um, or didn't decide to go ahead with. So it means that we're only really doing one-on-one client work, no real public public rituals and public events and things like that. So we've had a request come in basically um, to talk about necromancy, necromantic rites, working with ancestors, working with the dead, that kind of thing, because I do believe uh, the person in question whose name I won't name, because I don't know if they want to be named publicly, but they watched our, um, I think it was the ancestral term, commentary video we did oh the one that we did for gloucester so that was on yeah we did it for gloucester psychic fair um and yeah i suppose we'll talk about that because it is october and all that kind of thing so do you work with ancestors and how are you defining ancestors if you do or don't <laughs> <laughs> so i suppose really the question is People talk about ancestral magic and ancestral veneration and working with the ancestors. What would you class an ancestor to be and not to be? Because we should probably start there so we're all on the same page. I guess so. Um, Well, I suppose it really depends. Most people think of ancestors as kind of family bloodline, don't they? Um, They tend to focus more so on that as opposed to kind of ancestral leanings of a particular area or um you know if you were to go and visit the ancestors of a particular place like stanton drew or um stonehenge or whatever a burial ground where there are ancestors there that aren't necessarily yours um then i suppose we're all connected to adam aren't we Oh, Adam and Eve. <laughs> if you believe that, sure. <laughs> no, not at all. But you know what I mean. That kind of, um, you know, we have less and less people the further back you go. So therefore, there's going to be more and more interconnections between people, isn't there? So I suppose to a certain extent, depending on how far you're going back, um, they're going to be more and more kind of common ancestors on there. Yeah, so it's more of a complicated question than I think people realise or people would normally say. So most people are in the camp of ancestors are those blood relatives of yours from the past. Other people will say, well, ancestors are spirits of the dead that are related to you in some way and have a connection to you. So it's always dead people that most people are yeah. really talking about. Um, some and very few of them will think of ancestors as 
those who haven't yet come so my sister's children's yeah. children that they haven't materialized yet some people would consider those as ancestors um in terms of common ground and stuff like that if you're going by blood that's fairly yeah. easy because you're talking about it in a from looking at time in a linear format going all the way back to the earliest humans and then whatever came before humans and maybe some kind of um uh what are they called the uh oh, i always forget the name oh Not you mean Homo neanderthals and, and erectus yeah. and all that that stuff. kind of thing whether they yeah if there's some of their blood in with you and I don't know your great 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 times a million hundred thousand billion um grandmother had sex with a neanderthal <laughs> which explain a lot in certain cases um but what about other things so would you say that your ancestors are anything that's grown up on this planet yeah to a certain extent that's kind of where i would probably stretch ancestors too there's not there is the other the other option but we can get there in a bit the um with that i guess we're talking more about visiting not necessarily your ancestors but the ancestors so if you've got kind of um a local cemetery you could have a relationship with that as a whole um or you know, like I say, Stanton Drew or somewhere like that where there are long barrows and all that kind of stuff where you could go and speak to a specific group of ancestors that aren't necessarily the ancestors of your bloodline but might be the ancestors of your practice. Um, if you're following a particular type of necromantic kind of ancestral work, then you would kind of, you have the option there to go and explore a particular spiritual line or a magical line in a in a different way um me you know how i feel about it very um i have very little to do with my bloodline in that way mainly because it's been a long time since i was here last so that kind of raw connection of kind of bouncing through reincarnation kind of makes um makes people prob probably want to explore their bloodline in the thought of oh well you know um twin flames theory and all that kind of stuff where you're talking about go coming back in similar circles each time you come back as soulmates um therefore you're expecting that to potentially have appeared in your previous bloodline before yourself um, or as you said, further down the uh, the ancestral route if you're going uh, forward in time. But I don't know whether or not I would be particularly interested in that. Um, but I don't know. What about you and your bloodline? Well, there's two there's two real points that I'd pick up from what you've said. One is that reason why you would want to work with ancestors uh, compare that to the reason why most people would want to work with ancestors and from what I can see most of the people that go into ancestral work as a beginner think of it of one of two ways they're either trying to look into the past 
and some of them have a romanticized view of the fact that all of these people in the past can teach them something that no one else currently yeah. alive can teach them. So it goes back to the kind of ancient aliens of Egypt and how advanced there were of knowledge yeah. lost, that kind of thing. And the second thing is that they think that, well, if I focus on some spirit that I've got a link to in some way, then that's more yeah. likely to be trustworthy. So you're trying to compile and assemble a magical team of spirits, then they think that the safest way of doing it would be to use, you know, ancestors and explore there, which I think is a fairly safe. I mean, when it comes to working with dead yeah. people, it's quite a safe process. I find the vast majority of the part of time they're quite yeah. easy to get rid but, of. But yeah, I guess it is what it <laughs> is. It's problems. that um, we're so ingrained with the scientific method, aren't we? So they want, if you're following your bloodline, yeah. then you're comparing that to something you could check by birth and death records about what they tell you or whatever and i guess some people yeah. kind of te you know compare that to having an ancestry.com account rather than actually really doing any magical practice with the previous groups i guess i don't know well Working with the dead is normally the first port of call for most people who are interested in learning and exploring magic because yeah, of paranormal that's what investigation I, where I was going. and TV shows. Yeah, TV shows like Most Haunted and Ghost Adventures and all that kind of thing. Now, you did make another point, which I'm not going to uh, yeah. let you escape from, um, simply because, as you know, I like to play devil's advocate and... As you say, I like to set you up so that the podcast, uh, podcast listeners can laugh at us. And um, you talked about, obviously, uh, sharing lineage. And so you've got the, the modern day neo-pagan working with the spirits of Stanton Drew or Stonehenge, assuming you can get close to Stonehenge, that kind of thing. Working with someone or something that they don't really have much of a connection with, but there should be a connection at some point. It, the very weakest during yeah. the same planet as them. So where does that fit in when it comes to cultural <laughs> misappropriation? Because you, you can see where this is going now. Because if you're saying that, oh, okay, it's fine to do that. So you're saying that all of these people which don't like us selling dream catchers or don't want us trying to work the Egyptian mysteries or messing around with some Native American stuff that you're saying that, oh, none of that matters because we all go back to a certain extent. Where, where do you fall on that? Okay. Yeah. Tip Typical. Because people will attack you exactly, for whatever answer you give Because you, you love now. to set me off and <laughs> you know full well I'll tell you what I think. Um, so, yeah, it's it's one of those difficult ones in the sense that people tend to focus and there's a lot of it in the kind of heathenry groups and the kind of um for lack of a better word celtic reconstructionists so if i keep it to um europeans rather than handling the native american one to begin with oh. so you have the um you have the part of there is potential there because there will be a shared understanding, people folk will focus on things like language. 
Now, language isn't necessarily a problem in the sense of depending on what you're using them for, because at the end of the day, what's the <laughs> you're using the states in which you are going to go into in order to do this kind of work. There is a melding that will go on with a spiritual history with uh, ancestral work that will allow you to have an understanding, a shared understanding from the kind of practical point of view. It may take longer because they don't share a common language. But even if you did share a common language, French in 2020 is very different from French 100 years ago. And if you're going to go as far back as the Celts, and you're starting to talk kind of Gaelic or, or Gaulish kind of French, is going to be completely different yet again. So it's a case of, yes, I can understand where people from an academic point of view will kind of go, oh, well, won't there be language barriers and X, Y and Z reasons why that isn't a good method? Whereas actually, no, we use the same common symbols as we have used f throughout all of time. You know, I, I can imagine most people... Like Jungian psychology. Yeah, you could about. you point to your nose and, and think smell. Or, you know, like there are parts of that language that you would develop with that ancestral work. Yes, it would take longer because you would have to find common ground somewhere. But it's the same way as when we talk about going into uh, a Voodon house and recognising energy at that point to actually get the best out of that kind of ancestral work. You're going to have to be in, um, adept enough at understanding energy field and understanding how um, transmutation works or whatever particular type of magic you tend to work. There is going to there is a language within that. Um, I know looking at a piece of textiles, for example, that from now um, I understand how those two threads interact in a kind of binary code. That is the same binary code that we've used for millennia. Um, and you can go to any period of time. Maybe the textile itself is different, but the way that they're interlaced into each other is a method. It's a craft. So therefore, there is always a common language that can be pushed further and further back so I kind of like for me I think if you're an approach you're not going to get the kind of storytelling levels that you necessarily want but then there's no no nothing stopping somebody going through vision challenges in order to get that done in which case they would have to live that time in a dream state in order to have um, to kind of view it enough times to understand like I just I don't know. I, I think far too many people simplify what they're attempting to get out of it, like or they overcomplicated the thing that they think they need to know in order to get there. Whereas actually, like a lot of things that we teach, going through the process will actually it will learn it out. You will learn it organically. So, you know, me going and spending time in um i don't know a, a roman period or whatever even if i necessarily never spent any time there in a previous life if i was to watch enough of it there would be rhythms humanity you know humanity has its rhythms you would be able to figure a lot of that out it may not be 
a case of going, oh, well, what is that guy's name or what's his profession in in a two minute conversation? What you're probably going to have to do is watch him for a day and figure out how he works, what he does, what tools he uses. There are other triggers that will be kind of like, oh, OK, I now understand what this person's life is or whatever. But surely, again, what's the purpose of going back to look at these things? For a lot of people, is that just purely academic as they want to see as a kind of travelling moment? Or are they actually wanting to improve their practice in some way? Because those two things are very, very different. And I've gone on multiple tangents there. So drag me back to wherever you wanted me to answer. Well, I'll just give you my take and see if you agree on the last kind of points that you made. So if you're trying to break down the reason for doing ancestral work and working with the dead, that kind of thing, I think it varies. It shows a lot about the uh, magician or witches or magical practitioners path and their experience level. So I find that beginners are trying to get as much knowledge as possible and trying to experiment with as much as possible. So for the average person who doesn't, um, it's the average atheist say that's brought up in this kind of modern Western times, um, they would think, well, I don't believe in all this deities and stuff like that, but obviously I'm alive, I'm conscious, something has to happen with that when I die. So I will stretch to the point of believing that something living whether it be a human or an animal their soul or spirit lingers on in some form and they try to explore that i find that the next level of practitioner once they've been doing that for a while they then try to accumulate knowledge of what the process is so how does death work how what is the process is reincarnation a thing is there a heaven is there a hell blah blah, blah. and normally it's so that they have some level of control over it because humans yeah. like to control yeah. control everything um and then when they get to the stage then we've now reached foundational magic so everything before that is working towards starting a foundation in magic and then when you get to the foundation point where you're starting to build a foundation you're normally looking at okay can I start to interact with aspects of myself that have come before? Can I tie all of these past lives? And then people often get into future lives as well. And you can talk about multiversal theory and multiple universes and all that kind of thing. But people then try to tie those things together and to try and grow organically as a greater thing. That when you've mastered that, you then have a foundation, I would say, in magic. And then you're talking about past that intermediate forms of magic. So most of the time you'll meet people that are working on getting that foundation. Yeah, definitely. Or getting to the, the foundation course. So if you think about up and when you get to the um, stage when you're interacting with yourself both in the past and in the future from this linear time perspective, you're now in the first year of medical school yeah <laughs> you've got the foundation stage before that you're in pre-med so when you're working with ancestors and and that kind of thing and not really tying things together and not really moving as a strong cohesive unit of you as a greater being 
then you're kind of your pre-med. So you haven't got onto that stage yet. So really foundational is what I find most people are trying to build towards. And there are people that with varying levels of success, I've met quite a lot of people that are of a foundational perspective, um, or I class them on that foundational level. I've met people that are at an intermediate level, you know, so that's way beyond what most people are used to comprehending or think is possible as a beginner. But it depends. I think your work very much is flavoured by your paradigm and what you believe is possible and what you've experienced. And I think that that initial beginner pre-med kind of stage is exploration, is the exploration of wanting to see your past lives and experience and have these regressional um, hypnotherapy things and trying to work out what is a ghost What's the spirit? What's this? What's that? And then once you've got a lot of answers and once you've experienced a lot, then it's normally you trying to take control of the situation. And that's where you start to see foundational magic come in because they're actually wanting to interfere with the process, maybe change it or speed it up or slow it down, you know, that kind of thing. I don't know what your thoughts on that are. Well, that was the bit I was avoiding talking about earlier. Which is the oh, okay. which is the idea of you know the actual considering yourself as ancestral line, um, and that obviously interacting with um, you know other versions of yourself before and after your current um, your current paradigm uh, you know current paradigm, um, but mainly because I didn't want to introduce that far too quickly. Um, I know we're in the second. Is that what you normally would consider to be put on the Patreon? <laughs> no, no, no. I don't. I don't mean it like that. I just mean as in, I didn't know where at what point you wanted us to get there. Um. So yeah. So that was. So should we breeze over the basics first and then <laughs> pick that up? Because <laughs> you've talked, about, you've joked about recently setting up an ancestral altar to yourself, so you yeah. only deal with past, past incarnations of yourself. Because that's about <laughs> the only version of ancestral work that actually makes any sense to me, as in terms of my personal practice. I wouldn't find, like I hinted at before, it's been a while since I've been around, so therefore there, there, there is that kind of struggle of... Well, I don't feel connected to my bloodline and I have no design and no desire really beyond an academic one of looking at it. Um, so my interactions with ancestors, quote unquote, would more likely be with the earth itself or previous versions of myself as as a as a place to explore to improve if possible or remember ways in which and things I've left places um, is probably the main reason for doing it. Well you're one of those people that blocks yourself off to a certain extent yes. because there are doors that you keep firmly closed purposefully. Yeah. So and that's the thing with ancestral work this kind of thing it opens up doorways for a lot of people, which they're kind of like, oh, this is a big paradigm shift here, um, which is one of the reasons why I think we try to encourage it, because we joke about we don't do a lot of ancestral work and stuff like that ourselves, which, to be honest with you, we don't do a huge amount, but it is of great benefit to people, and it would be of benefit to us, I'm sure, 
if we'd have the time to do that kind of thing. But for us, it's very much a case of when the phone goes. Yeah, I think for us, <laughs> we've got to deal with what's, what's going yeah. on. <laughs> I think for us, it's a case of considering that sort of work too big a distraction from what we're actually doing here. Um, yeah, because we've agreed with ourselves that we must help as many as we can and and be available in that way um, to improve you know help other people improve themselves whereas actually you know we both agree that we're not here to necessarily improve ourselves this is a bit of a different it's a different paradigm for us I guess um which then makes you kind of go actually however fun that would be it's kind of not necessary in this particular lifetime um for me, it's like reading a good book. It's kind of a little holiday away from um, the the day-to-day slog. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter as well. When you get to working past an, inter- an intermediate stage, you're talking about the beginning and the ends of universes happening in the blink of an eye. Yeah. So nothing that happens in this world matters. Nothing that happens in this universe matters. It all happened a very long time ago, slash is happening. Yeah. So it's like that's why I don't get hot up on things. Yeah. Like I don't really have much of a problem because I think, well, nothing I do here really matters because even if I destroyed the entire universe, and I'm not saying I would do that or try to do that, but even if I did, I know that it doesn't really matter. Yeah. So, you know, there's layers to these things, isn't it? And that's the thing. When you go past a certain layer, thing that's that's the energies in which you're dealing with. You're dealing with down here in the world. If people die and things go extinct and stuff like that and that kind of thing, COVID, you could say, you might feel as a human, oh, this is really bad. This is really bad. But actually, if you look at it from as a greater being and you look down, you think, wait a minute, this happened. This tiny little thing happened. In this world that only was, it went and gone but when I was looking in the opposite direction. <laughs> in this universe that has started five seconds ago yeah. and is going to end in two minutes time. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like it's, it's difficult because everyone has to think about this sort of thing and look at things from their own current magical practice, their own stage, their own paradigm, their own eyes, essentially. And it's difficult getting various people with different experiences on different paths to agree and and understand each other because a lot of the time with different paths they're different they're different um you know experience aren't they yeah and they're they're different for a reason um but yeah it's i think it's a tricky one like yes i've been toying with the idea whether or not i actually go ahead and do it because again it's one of those i only considered it as an option really um, on the fact that we're doing more and more mentorship work than I've done in a long time. And actually, there are some skill sets that probably would be useful um, to remember. Why well, I, I find that um, <laughs> that's the that's the thing, right? But not when I used to work uh, with the secret societies and doing things my own work and working with other people within a small group a secret group 
you just do what is efficient. Yeah. The problem is when dealing with clients nowadays is you don't do what's efficient. You do things the way they want to do. Yeah. So if you can see someone's, and we've gone into past lives, I think we did it on the Deja Vu again um, podcast, but if you're talking about progression and stuff like that and exploration, you can see exactly what the person's going to learn yeah. before they've learned it. You can't tell them no. what they've got to learn and that kind of thing because they wouldn't learn it otherwise as an experience thing. But it is quite difficult because, of course, you're thinking like at the moment is all the North stuff. So you've got, well, I remember this, that and the other. And I know that all of what you've just said is I know that that film, that thing you were talking about, the Vikings is all and I know that the experiments that you are currently doing is going to get you to a certain level, you know, that kind of thing. And you think, I could recommend to you an easier way of doing it, which would just cut out all of that. But you can't do that, can you? You just can't do well, that. No, because they wouldn't learn right. anything. <laughs> That's been the biggest paradigm shift for me is the fact that I have to use inefficient means of working. And when you're talking about the past and past magic because again the huge romanticized view especially with all of these ancient aliens documentaries is oh well the people of the past these great ancient cultures they knew far about far more than us about magic and stuff like that and it's like well no i remember back then and i know this and i know that and i watched the birth of that and i watched the end of this as a human as something else you know that kind of thing and it does make you think well there comes a point where you need to think, well, actually, all of these systems of the past, some of them are greater than the systems that are currently in place at the moment, some of them not. And, oh, we're about to go into the pod Patreon, so we've, we've almost passed the watershed, so that's it for this week. <laughs> and now you're on the Patreon, and I will finish my point. So we can start going into the advanced stuff now, the stuff that makes us sound crazy, if you like. Yeah. I've forgotten the point I'm going to make now. I hate it when it does that. But yeah, I'm kind of just thinking about the... Uh, you, were the making, that... you were making the point that it's it's kind of irrelevant. Um, and actually, the level of work that people put into trying to understand how past, past magicians did things... Um, or even themselves. I mean, how many yeah. people could we mention that we're not allowed to mention and not going to mention are dabbling with their past selves in order to see where they went wrong in order yeah. to try and accomplish something? And yeah. you kind of think, well, I mean, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and, and expecting, expecting a different, different outcome. Yeah. I suppose these people aren't exactly in the same because they're looking to the past to see where they messed up to try and improve. It's no different than a, a scientist refining a formula, I guess. But yeah. I mean, a lot of this to do with your, um, your sight, how much you can see. And from the beginner... It's in a very, very immersive experience, I think. And it's a very human-esque experience where you're seeing, tasting, touching, working with spirits, that kind of thing. But when you're dealing with on higher levels of consciousness, higher realms, um, as a greater being, uh, you are interconnected with everything. So it's like everything is your limbs. Yeah. It's a little bit yeah. different. You're less separated from everything, which is, I think, why people fall for that kind of neoplatonist view of, 
oh well I'm everything was kind of like mm, technically you're not everything you're just bigger than what your brain's currently capable of comprehending so it feels like you're bigger than everything yeah so I, I hate to disagree with the the Leo Platonists but I do think you're all wrong and based <laughs> on my experiences of I don't know what edition of the universe we're currently on yes <laughs> but you know <laughs> yes and then I think I think that's I think that's the problem a lot of the time is because I think people forget that we're so used to experiencing this three-dimensional living that actually um, their brain can't often comprehend beyond that um, which limits their experience um, but then equally it's kind of the whole point of a three-dimensional existence is to experience certain things in this such linear way. I just yeah, definitely. You know, the, the, it's the whole point of forcing a being into such a small box that just makes you have a different level of experience. Um, and I don't think that necessarily, because obviously this is the sort of talk that gets us accused of being elitist, etc., um when trying to talk about these sorts of when you start to touch on kind of intermediate practice etc um when you start to talk and say well intermediate begins um when you are able to <laughs> have seen all that's gone before and all that's going to happen and understand and comprehend your point of existence within that kind of makes you sound like an elitist individual when you start to talk about having an understanding of death itself is foundation level uh kind of yeah you can understand why people twist themselves into pretzels about it well i have to say the greatest magical practitioners that i've met and that i'd say have ever lived are both elitist and very humble yeah. And it's that fine line because you have to tailor what you're saying to the person that's listening. That's the problem. That's why it's so difficult to do discussing topics like this, because we would want to talk as if we're talking to each other. But of course, there are other people listening. But during a client consultation, we would frame, we would work within their paradigm, the client's paradigm, and make sure that everything makes complete sense to them. Yeah. That's why I don't like this kind of thing. One of the reasons why I hate writing is that you're kind of trying to appeal you're trying to take something and why there's no advanced books on witchcraft of course because yeah. you're trying to take something super specific and make it understandable to everyone to a general i mean audience. i've put some pretty crazy ass um advanced uh videos on the patreon for the advanced membership of people that are trying to deal with all sorts of crazy stuff that they're too they can't talk about you know the yeah. privacy things you just can't talk about but you know that we cover all sorts of stuff um with the people that would be trying to tackle those sorts of situations but yeah i do get what you mean it does come across as elitist but i don't know and i have struggled there with this because i don't like the elitism but at the same time i don't like lying so if yeah. someone asks me a question i don't want to hold back so normally i like i think you do i'll talk until you get that kind of deer in the headlights look and then you're kind of like, oh, I kind of lost you at this point, so I'll shut up from here on in. Yeah. 
we'll go back to we'll circle back around and and get back to where you were understanding things um but then equally i think that's that's kind of why certain people get offended by that is just because it's a kind of oh no 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 but clearly i would understand if you were to just spend the time and you're kind of like well no but what's the point if you're not at that point yet yeah. Um, skipping those sections is not going to help you in any way, shape, or form. If any, it's any, if any way, it's going to limit your practice. Um, but again, we've gone off the topic again to actually talking about intermediate well, we'll, we'll advance rather than death itself. Ne- yeah, we can go back to talking about necromantic rites and stuff like that because we haven't talked about a single one of them, not even the dark no. supper yet, and we're already in the Patreon section. No. So I don't know how we're going to sort this out now. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither, but let's, yeah, we'll attempt it. I, I don't know how we can keep to this original title of Dead Man's Party when we didn't in the first section even talk about dumb suppers. Um, well, we'll we'll rename this podcast something different and then we'll just talk about necromantic rites. In fact, what we could do is do um, Dead Man's Party Part 1, Dead Man's Party Part 2, if you want it. Yeah, maybe let's do it that way. Okay, we'll do that. Okay, so back to it. <laughs> so now we're on the kooky stuff anyway, because we're on the Patreon. We need to get get that out of our system. So <laughs> I like how the listeners, obviously, you're dealing with the behind-the-scenes stuff to a certain extent now. So when we mess up and talk about something we probably shouldn't have, we also have to think about how we're going to fix this situation. <laughs> so, <laughs> unfortunately, you're not able to call out on us here, you, unless we decide to start looking into the future. Yeah, could get my crystal ball out and see what they're what they're what they're shouting to themselves as they're listening to this. Because by that point, this will have already been recorded and uploaded. So you know, <laughs> there is there is no there is no point I, of return. I hear, I hear them saying. Um, we just want to hear what you really think. That's what I hear someone <laughs> saying. <laughs> yet, don't yeah. worry about those people that don't don't get access to the Patreon. They don't matter. <laughs> I know. I know. We all used to be one of those people, but we're not anymore. It's like it's like when you pass your driving test and you've been driving. You've got no patience for learner drivers. No, no. But when you were a learner driver, you're kind of like, oh, someone give me a break. Stop yeah. going so fast. Stop beeping at me. Yeah. But there we go. So necromantic rights. Come on. Um. So. Or are we skipping well, we that? We haven't gone to that yet, have we? We've got to do that on the Dead Man's, Dead Man's Supper. Okay. So let's talk about the real reason why we don't like doing necromantic work. Because would you say that it's boring? Is that the reason why you don't do it? I find dead people very boring. I think we're quite open about that. Um, I think dead people in general, the sort of people that you bump into in a haunted house or yeah. just out and about wandering around Cabot Circus or wherever. Um, it's a case of... That's a supermarket by any... Well, a, a shopping centre. It's not a supermarket. For it's those a people retail outlet. That, that haven't, got, haven't got an understanding of where Cabot Circus is, you freak. Yeah, well, that's... It doesn't matter. Cabot Circus is almost like a big mall, but outdoors. Half yeah. outdoors, half indoors. Anyway, now you're sidetracking. So basically, talking to dead people 
is like going into a care home. They just go on and on about the whole thing and half of them have dissolved away anyway, so it doesn't yeah. really matter. You get the odd one which is really interested in kind of with it and there, but I mean, ultimately, unless you want a friend, I wouldn't suggest getting too many dead friends because then people really will think that you're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I just I, I think that's mostly why I find it pointless. You know, at least when you're talking to, um, you know, well, talking's a strong word, but you know, talking, uh, speaking to other kinds of spirits and interacting with other kinds of spirits, they're doing their job, or they, um, you know, are willing to add energy to something that you're working on or whatever. Like there is a purpose to interacting with them, whereas I like I say it's like going to visit someone with alzheimer's um they'll just keep going over the same the same story over again and i i don't find that interesting um assuming they're even really aware yeah of the they're even dead <laughs> i mean you get some boring old person called eileen who used to sit dribble in the chair watching countdown and daytime television and then she dies and then she doesn't realise. Yeah, like that that kind of stuff. It just, I, I don't understand why people particularly like that. Now, manufactured spirits, when you find those in those sorts of places, that can be yeah. quite interesting. When someone's left some kind of toy they used to play with there, or you stumble across yeah. a torpor or, a, or an egregore that someone, you know, died long, long ago and... It, Guardians in it's ritual, kind of ritual spaces are great. Yeah. So, yeah. so trying to take apart and um, uh, what would you call dissect a guardian to work out? Okay, so this guardian, this thing, this guardian, this whether it's a church or a burial mound or something like that. Okay, so is this a person that they literally kill? Because they used to do yeah, that. Yeah. They'd kill people yeah. and put you there and bury you in the space. Like, you're the guardian now. You can stay here for eternity until the world ends. Or whether it's some kind of manufactured thing. I, I do find that the um, that the more gutsy, rootsy, uh, tribal kind of ones are very often are or used to be at one point a dead person yeah. and have now evolved and kind of specialised to a certain extent. But then some of the ones that you'd certainly find in old uh, cathedrals, Notre Dame is a good example of that, because Notre Dame burnt down. Um, a couple of times. I can't remember, it was a year or two ago, wasn't it? And uh, yeah, it was literally just after they'd removed all of those gargoyles and statues. Yeah. It's like they remove all the statues of gargoyles, which are essentially guardians, and then all of a sudden the thing burns down. Yep. Very interesting. You're surprised. Why are you surprised? But very often I find that they're a little bit more synthetic. They've been created by someone that knows a little bit of something yeah. to do a very specific job. Right. And that, that kind of that kind of kind of ancestral or necromantic work I kind I will find interesting. But the kind of everyday um garden variety uh spectre is not really anything that ever excites me at all um and they're boring they've got nothing interesting yeah. to say they're normally very mundane because you know 
very it's very rare that somebody of real interest is actually <laughs> left any kind of recording of themselves in that way because they were busy moving on to somewhere else so you know i think that's very true people with any sort of power will come back but they won't come back necessarily as a ghost they'll come back in a greater form yeah and the people that tend to linger and eventually kind of slowly dissolve away are people that are you know you think well they've not really evolved an awful lot it reminds me of lava lamps if you've ever watched a lava lamp you've got the sudden when you die the burst and the heat <laughs> and the energy that goes up and it's kind of like mm, i can't really Ooh. yeah and you just liquefy back at the bottom into something else yeah i mean they do say um, I think it's quite a popular belief nowadays, and certainly amongst the Wiccans, that, you know, it's all just a soup, and that everyone just melts back into that soup, unless you've got uh, um, enough power and energy there, like the heat source of the lava lamp, because that essentially keeps you rising up there to stop you going falling back yeah. into that gloop. I've used that one before, the lava lamp, um, just because it's so visual to explain that, that theory to people. But no, I mean, that's the thing. I think a lot of people that work with um, ancestors start it as a means of exploration and then others, it tends to be more specialist and they tend to only really work with themselves to a certain extent. Yeah. And really the real um, barrier, I think, is being able to uh, merge and communicate with the past your past lives over multiple lives so for example when you get to the stage where you can remember when you, you're born you understand enough about the principles of magic from birth to be able to contact communicate with and merge with all of your past lives so you've retained all of that knowledge that's the the point in which most foundational people are trying to get that's the state that they're trying to get to. And whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, because I've been told off by some quite powerful things for trying to help people on that process and making it too easy. Because, of course, with something like that, yeah, you only get to that stage when you're ready to get to that stage. And shouldn't really get there any sooner. It's I can... Yeah, although it's difficult for us, because, of course, that's what people try and pay us to do. And we've yeah. got to deliver to a certain extent on what the customer wants. But at the same time, you've got to think about whether it's good for them. And that's the thing, yeah. It's a case of, yeah, there are ways, you know, you can give people bionic limbs, but what what are you creating in that process? It's kind of, you know, whereas actually if what they need is to learn to use those muscles until they're back, you know, doing what they should be doing. Um you know it's kind of skipping <laughs> it's kind of putting people on steroids isn't it kind of bulking them before yeah. they're ready um to actually bulk and then a surprise when you take away the steroid that all of a sudden it just all melts back um and their body's f***ed, like you know um yeah i just i like you say i find them i find necromantic work boring um and that's no offence to none, by the way. I just, you know, 
She's she serves yeah, a very good purpose. Yeah, are human skull that we work with, but the the thing with non is there's not a lot that really remains there. No. So you get enough feel for the personality of her to know that she is a nice lady that would, wants to help people and is happy to have. Yeah. You know, continue to help people after she's gone, but she's not a strong character that's trying to cling to life. No, and uh, which makes her perfect for the kind of work that she does, as you know, yeah. uh, as a gar- guardian of such for our altar space that we don't actually have to man it um, because she's able to man it. Kind of, kind of allows allows that to be there with you know and again because we don't particularly likes a bad word but you know what i mean we don't particularly practice a lot of necromantic work having it there when it not having that flavor of us is useful um because it gives it a more organic feel for the people that use the space and i, I think it works for us um and another part of why this year is so is because you know we spend our entire year normally picking up these bits and pieces all over for people wanting to leave messages and stuff and we're not even really going to be able to do that properly this year unless we do something we social media or something a few messages though because from the bristol esoteric festival yeah we, did, we do there's a bowl from that so we should probably get rid of that as we normally would Oh, yeah. No, of course. We still have to operate that way. I just mean we're not going to be able to add as much as we normally do. No, I mean, unless you can they find a new way to do from, it from. Yeah, you can feel it. I find really I should have had it set up permanently. But I, again, I don't really do with a lot of necromantic work. So it's normally just set up for, for dealing with um, for helping clients, really. So. And also, like, you know, the main reason we do stuff like that is to kind of normalise, because that sort of thing yes. should always... Put it back into the culture, because, of course, it would have originally been in Western culture. You still find yeah. it in other places in the world, but not so much here in the West no. now. No, and and the kind of having that back there is kind of a big part of it. Uh, again, why we probably talk, should have talked a lot more about dumb suppers and uh, <laughs> altars of the dead in the main section but never mind we will have to do part two and apologize at the beginning of okay, that okay so what about if we um if we did dead man's what is this dead man's party yeah i've told them this dead man's party what about if we did one on dumb suppers and we just call it uh silence i kill you <laughs> 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 oh god maybe maybe we'll think about it is jeff dunham is that the, jeff dunham the, that is uh, puppeteer yeah if you don't know the reference then google Ock-med. jeff dunham dead terrorist and it'll come up <laughs> <laughs> so but yeah i just i i think it's a, a really a really good thing um because i think and i know there's kind of more and more of these kind of um, morning parties and all that kind of stuff kind of going on now um, they have the deaf cafes that's that's yeah. picking up that's becoming more and more popular because people do need to talk about it and that kind of thing maybe mainly from like a grief point of view um and an understanding 
I suppose, like I've said before, there's too much of that. We've been told, well, I say we, um, kind of the Western world has been told for too long that they're not allowed to touch that. After <laughs> after death, we don't talk about that, that you, you and Jesus have to spend that time. Um, and I think that it'll take a t- it'll take time for that to wash away, but I kind of feel like a big part of that is people are a bit still a bit scared of ancestral work or at least starting on a pathway with anything that involves the dead, and I think it is a lot of that is that lack of understanding. Um, well, I don't know because that's been the missing. same for. I think that's been the same for a long, long time. Because if you think about the reasons why people are scared now, a lot of the time they blame it on, oh, well, in the West we have a scared view of death and that kind of thing. But at the same time, I think the real difference is there was still a lot of fear of death in that they were normally scared of the dead, the naughty dead that would cause them trouble. And in in the cultures, whether it's Roman or, you know, what have you, they'd have systems to deal with that. Yeah. You know, they'd have the festivals, uh, the Muri, I think it was, that dealt with the naughty dead, um, the angry dead. And they would have systems in place to deal with that. Nowadays, of course, you don't believe that there are ghosts and dead people until you happen across one that's tearing through your house. Yeah. And then it's all of a sudden, I don't want to believe, but I'm confronted with the fact that this really bad thing is happening. Oh, yeah. I've got an exorcist. Oh, they've cleared the house. Now I can go back to never speaking of this ever again. Exactly. Every now and then you'll get the person that wants to investigate more. Yeah. Um, but actually, most of the time, a lot of these paranormal investigators turn to paranormal investigation because they've lost someone and they want to get in contact with them. And it's not so much that they've had a crazy experience. And that's quite sad because normally yeah. they'll either go down the paranormal investigation route or they get addicted to paying psychics. On a bi-monthly basis in order to have a conversation they could have themselves. Not even on a bi-monthly basis, because we've got psychic phone lines and apps and all that kind of thing now. So it's literally, I'll check in with me psychic every day. I used to see Nan on a Sunday. So every Sunday I'll phone up uh, Miss Cleo or whatever the latest one is at $5.99 a minute. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure what, what, what you really do about that long term. I'm hoping it'll I think fix we're itself. making a little bit of a difference, but ultimately it's a cultural thing, isn't it? Culture has yeah. got to change. And working back uh, folklore and that kind of thing, certainly when it comes to ancestral work, the people that do interact with and think about their ancestors, you can definitely see it reflect in their lives and that they pick up and are, I think, more in sync with, because a lot of the time people of the past were a lot more in sync with the natural world, yeah. and people nowadays aren't so much. So you do see that reflected in it. Um, it just depends on how advanced they're working, because normally the first thing they do is start moaning like hippies and protesting. Yeah. They don't really do anything about it. They're still using all the mod cons and... They might use a cold drink because they think it looks spooky and that kind of thing. But actually, they're still not really living with nature. Um, but at the same time, I think that, you know, you'll see 
a romanticized view of that. I mean, I've had people that have said, well, you know, Christmas trees and all that sort of thing. You shouldn't be cutting Christmas trees down because the ancients wouldn't have done that because they wouldn't have wanted to waste a tree. Meanwhile, over in um, a Native American tribe every year, every time a girl reaches a certain age, they chop down five or six trees. That's okay. Exactly. <laughs> to make a giant teepee and it's kind of like yeah they don't care they've got an abundance of trees there that's the last thing on their mind if anything they're thinking we need to get rid of some of these trees exactly <laughs> and and you know the fact was we don't we're not cooking on gas in that situation so of course they're cutting trees down all the time you know the yeah. whole point the whole point of sawen and and allowing um allowing all the hearths to go out while they're out collecting the harvest and then having a sacrificial fire to then relight everybody's homes or the yule log for god's sake like you know the the whole point oh, of I it do is love me a yule log is about bringing about bringing the last of the kind of evergreen in it to kind of that's the whole point of it is to have bring in this kind of energy at that time of year when everything else is dead like i don't know people are just odd it's the same groups of people that obviously, um, you know, <laughs> have no problem with using soy products, even though the damage that they do to um, certain areas or, you know, flying it the other from one side of the world to the other. Oh, well, I've, you know, I'm uh, using an, I'm using an, eco, I'm using an eco product. Yeah, but it just still had to fly it from this side of the world to the other. Like The, the problem is, like... I can sympathise. The reason I sympathise is the fact that it's so difficult to know where everything comes from. That if it says on the label it's eCal, you trust it. So people try to make conscious choices that they think are going to help, but they don't haven't done the research of where how the thing is actually made so they're just trusting the label and you could talk about you know um, false advertising and stuff like that but there are quite stringent laws in certain places but not very stringent laws at all in other places i mean let's look about the supplement industry we get things uh, essential oils from a big multi-level multi-level marketing company that gets under fire for false advertising and stuff like that so you know we'll have to do a podcast about that at some point <laughs> definitely definitely in fact i think it might be on the list but as ever we are approaching near the end of this episode is there anything else you want to say other than we're going to have to do a whole another one of these um I'm sure we'll find find time at some point. Well, we won't repeat anything that we've talked about here. Oh no! So you might as well watch, uh, listen to the next one, wherever the next one will be. I'm, I'll see if I can convince him to um, let me call it silence. I kill you. You an idiot. <laughs> Carry on. Um, because I think that's really good, given that it's a silent supper or a d dumb supper, and I think that that's the sort of thing that would probably. Um, yeah, I think that's a good podcast title. We'll I'm going to have to start looking at Jeff Dunham on YouTube now. <laughs> <laughs> but there we go. So, I suppose the last thing to say is that, obviously, it's October. We have our Samhain boxes on the website. If you want to have a little look, if you're stuck for things to do with 
fourth Samhain for Halloween for October and you're looking for something different to try and you want to be a lazy witch, what I would personally say is don't buy the Samhain box. Come up with your own rituals and your own things. But for those lazy people that want to buy things in a box, because I know it's very commercialised nowadays, um, have a little look at the Thoth Witchcraft website. And there's a Sam Hain Sawan box, uh, ritual box. So there we go. And thank you and goodbye for this week.